Hello, all, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin, and we have a really great topic we're going to explore today. We're going to be talking about mindful self-compassion, and that is such an important concept for us to explore in the context of relationships and couples um, because of really the, the two components here, which is mindfulness and self-compassion, that, that oftentimes couples, when they come in, they are struggling with empathy, with compassion for their partner. And when you get really to the root of it is oftentimes there's really a breakdown in them having empathy and self-compassion for themselves. So we're going to talk about uh, just the whole concept of empathy, the, the concept of self-compassion. We're going to give you some tools in order to cultivate that within your relationship. And then we're going to talk about mindfulness, you know, which at the end of the day is just about the ability to pay attention, to focus your mind on a particular point and stick with that, and just how important it is to have a sense of mindfulness within your relationship in order to have that, that amazing connection with your partner that you want to have. And we have a special guest in our studio today whose passion is this subject. Her name is Audrey Darnell. She is a licensed associate counselor, nationally certified counselor. She is a couple specialist. She also sees individuals and families and kids. We are grateful that she is a therapist at our center. And so welcome, Audrey. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. I mean, so we love to have our audience sort of set a context for for who you are and and why you've chosen this field and sort of your your pathway thus far. So, I mean, Audrey, do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm from here. I was born and raised here in Tucson and I started gravitating towards this field when I was in college, so in my undergraduate years. But it's kind of interesting because I've as I've been going through, you know, couples' histories and going through their genograms and family histories, I feel like I've been reflecting more on, like, how my own family history played into the field I chose. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I feel like growing up, I mean, one thing I've been thinking about recently is my family would always have dinner together, and that's one of the things I'm very grateful for around my childhood mm -hmm. is we would sit around the table. And it was always really encouraged to just talk to each other about, like, how we were doing and about our days and mm -hmm. kind of being, I guess, self-reflective was <laughs> very much encouraged or having, like, those conversations and then I also feel like my parents were just really, they were both really into like design and architecture. And so creating spaces for people, like really nice spaces. And we moved around a lot. And so they always like created these really cool spaces for us to live in and every home we lived in. And so I've just been thinking about that lately. I feel like I've always kind of gravitated towards listening to people's stories and talking to people about themselves, but also creating spaces for people to feel really safe and really comfortable. And uh, I'm so. just like fascinated listening to this because normally <laughs> you hear like a therapist story and then 
Uh, I mean, not the majority is like, you know, they had some kind of like trauma in their background or it was really difficult or they had to experience a lot of suffering when they were younger. And so hearing that you had this very like emotionally aware, connected family who provided a lot of space, emotional safety, like really empowered you to continue to do that in your adult life. I love that. Well, so, I mean, let's jump right in on the topic because it's it's such a great topic. It's something that maybe couples don't think a lot about, you know, mindful self-compassion. Just tell us a little bit about how you conceptualize it, you know, just sort of define it for our audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely go to refer to Kristen Neff primarily when I define mindful self-compassion. So Kristen Neff is, she's a a big researcher in the field of mindful self-compassion. The concepts of mindfulness and compassion are rooted in, you know, Buddhism and Buddhist psychology, but she has her own like mindful self-compassion lab and the way that she defines it, I usually refer to that and think of that for myself as, I mean, simplified, it's, it's really just having this sense of kindness and, you know, love and understanding for ourselves when we are having moments of suffering Mm -hmm. or just, you know, moments where we're really in a bad place or, you know, something didn't go the way that we wanted it to go. And where mindfulness comes in is being able to meet yourself where you're at. I mean, that's where I see how I see it. And, just accept and kind of sit with whatever you might be feeling in the moment without, you know, making too much of it or falling too much into our own narratives around what might be happening, which is so human and so common. And and also being able to connect the suffering that we're experiencing to a sense of common humanity. Mm. So we're not alone you know, I mean, I think that directly applies to couples counseling in that, like, oftentimes when people come in to see us, they're at a point of such like suffering. They're so frustrated with the dynamic that there's not a lot of acceptance. There's not a lot of empathy for definitely for the situation, oftentimes for the other person. And then as we delve deeper into the process with them, you know, a lot of times for their own role and and, and their, their self. Well, I think it's too, like when we suffer and we don't have the tools to be present, mindful, compassionate with us, we try to control our mm-hmm. suffering or blame the other person. Mm-hmm. So again, when couples show up here, there's this uh, blame, like, how dare you make me feel this way? And I'm trying to control the situation. And so it sounds like a lot of work you do with your clients is to try to internalize what that experience is for you. And then let's bring attention to it and try to soften that. And I mean, I can say we've done a lot of that in our relationship. It's how we've shifted because I'm now way more compassionate with myself and the difficult feelings that happen during overwhelming moments, which are many with our busy life. Yeah. Well, and and, uh, it's interesting because, you know, just in the context of our relationship, a lot of the ways maybe that I would react to you and be intolerant of certain behaviors or certain dynamics between the two of us, as I've gotten deeper and deeper into my own work around it, it's just like, I have to delve into my own stuff. 
I have to accept parts of myself before I can even get to the mm -hmm. place of accepting things about you. Yeah, so this is an important topic. It feels like when you hear it, like, oh, mindful self-compassion. It feels like so easy, but mm -hmm. <laughs> Audrey, I'm sure you're gonna share with us, it's like one of the hardest things for humans, for individuals to do in difficult moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's been one of the hardest things for me to practice for myself, although at the same time, it was the first thing I found for myself, you know, in difficult moments where I really felt that shift. But yeah, I mean, getting there, we're really not primed, conditioned to do that. I mean, even those of us who maybe did feel like we we had a good upbringing or nurturing parents, you know, maybe weren't necessarily talked to in a in that compassionate voice or, you know, even know what that might sound like or what that might look like. Mm -hmm. And there's also, I mean, a lot of misconceptions about it as well. So I, I think that's a another thing that, you know, makes it really hard or even seem very inaccessible for individuals and couples to practice. What are some of the misconceptions? So... I mean, I think one of the biggest ones is confusing self-compassion for, like, self-pity or, mm -hmm. you know, if you practice self-compassion, then you're just, you know, excusing yourself or bad behavior mm -hmm. or you're never going to get anything done in your life. And, you know, typically our kind of mainstream <laughs> American culture is pretty focused on, like, getting stuff done and, you know, being productive but there's actually been so much, there's been research done to show that, you know, it's actually quite the opposite. And even if you really think about it, like without looking at any research, it kind of makes sense because how many of us have really like gotten stuff done and, you know, motivated ourselves by yeah, beating ourselves up sure. or being critical. Mm -hmm. Perfectionism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so w when you're working with a couple and you begin to have that sense where like one or both of these individuals really doesn't have a lot of compassion for themselves, how do you see it creating disruptions in their relationship? That's a really good question. I mean, I feel like I've, I've definitely seen this show up so much in the time that I've been here, which is one of the reasons why I I wanted to take a closer look at it and talk about it today. I think one of the biggest things that I see is the sense of perfectionism, you know, from one or both individuals in a coupleship where someone is, you know, maybe holding themselves to a standard that isn't very compassionate mm -hmm. or, you know, isn't realistic at the end of the day. Or again, going back to that sense of, you know, acceptance and kind of meeting your own emotional needs, one or both people might really struggle with having that acceptance for themselves or being able to talk to themselves in a kind and compassionate way. And I just see it kind of getting projected yeah. <laughs> onto each other and people, you know, blaming each other for 
for things that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. even realistic at the end of the day. So can I kind of ask you a question, Tara, about this? Like, Because you, you kind of said that as you become more compassionate with yourself, it allowed you to become more maybe empathetic towards me. You are somebody who like perfectionism has been something you've is a part of your makeup, right? Right. How does that relationship between like perfectionism and self compassion sort of like how does that weave into your sense of self? Well, so before self compassion, I really didn't know what that even meant until we had our twins, really, because I kind of was like okay in my life and everything was nothing felt too overwhelming. You know, things were hard, but. I didn't know how difficult life would be with colicky twins. So that was the first time where I felt like I needed to be perfect and then, you know, grow these two humans and make sure everything was okay. Like I just didn't know my mom instincts until, so that really drove my perfectionism. And so what would happen is I was so hard on myself. I thought I was, if those twins weren't stimulated at every second of the day, I was like, oh, I'm being a horrible mother. They're going to grow up to be horrible people. Like I'm not, like it was just awful and it's not sustainable. That how I was feeling wasn't sustainable. And then I would totally project onto EJ, like, why aren't you helping me with this? Like, why don't you see that they need to be constantly stimulated and constantly nurtured and constantly interacted Mm -hmm. with? Like, it was crazy. And so I'd get mad at him for not showing up in my perfectionistic worldview. And so then I started to practice Tara Brock again. She's like one of my favorite people to listen to because she is so amazing at talking about mindful self-compassion. And I just started listening to her podcast and everything made so much sense. And I just started practicing moments of like, I'm okay. I'm safe. Mm -hmm. I'm a good enough mom. I'm doing the best I can. Again, it's like minutes a day. I would do that. I would, I would do it when I was, you know, at a stoplight and Mm -hmm. the twins were screaming in the back and I would just be like, I'm okay. I'm safe. And so I just started practicing that because if I hadn't practiced that EJ and I wouldn't be together anymore. Like I just knew our whole life would blow up. And so now I practice it and and I knew who I grew up with, like a mother who had significant OCD and if everything wasn't perfect, bad things would happen. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted my children to grow up in an environment where they were scared of me, where they had to make sure everything was in order and everything was okay and every, because I know how awful that felt. And so I, I was very compelled to do this work because if I didn't, then I would just be repeating my generational trauma and that wasn't okay. And, and so now again, even though I still have that perfectionism, I'm soft with it. I'm like, it's okay that things are on the counter and food is on the floor and there's animal hair everywhere. And, and that my husband is who he is and he doesn't have to show up for me in this perfect controlled way. And so there's just been such a soft, I know this is a very long answer to your question, (laughs) but I feel free and I feel like now my people in my orbit can feel free too. And do I still struggle with it? Absolutely. But it's, it's an internal process for me now, instead of projecting outwards, I'm like, I'm okay. This is okay. I know where this is coming from. Like Mm -hmm. I'm good enough. Like it's okay. I'm safe. Uh, My big thing is I'm safe. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what I heard there is like that inevitably a person is pushed up in a point in their life where they're at their limits. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that that eventually there's a point where they're not able to, you know, perform in the way they want to perform or or they're they're suffering. And there's this like gripping then and self-judgment mm-hmm. that happens. And where does that happen more than anywhere else, which is is in your relationship? And you sort of then look to the other person to be like, hey, why aren't you mm-hmm. fixing this? You know, why aren't you keeping me from feeling this way or why aren't mm-hmm. you creating an atmosphere in our environment where where yep. I am okay exactly mm-hmm. and this is where that like you know we talk about it a lot in our work with couples is like when our instinct is to look at the other person and start judging and start mm. you know becoming irritated and frustrated with their behavior it's the important time to use this mindfulness of looking back at yourself Yeah, why Mm -hmm. is that bothering me? It's something inside of me. Mm -hmm. I love how you shared some of those self-compassionate phrases that you you like to use with yourself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, another thing I just wanted to add about that that I didn't mention before was I do think that we tend to feel if if we maybe don't have as much self-compassion for ourselves, it kind of puts us in, alone in the struggle too. Mm-hmm. So we we isolate ourselves, you know, unintentionally. And in a coupleship, it just it kind of makes you move. It can make you kind mm-hmm. of move away from your partner during times when you could look towards each other and realize, you know, I'm not alone here. I'm not alone in this. Yeah. In this suffering. Well, I think that you that you just nailed something like yeah. so important right there yeah. is because you know, we're always looking at like, hey, here's a concept that we're talking to all of you there about. And how do you identify where it, whether it's something that actually is happening in yourself, in your relationship that you're unaware, and that, that you basically you said is like when there's these moments of a lack of self-compassion, our instinct is to isolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, is yes. to, is to pull away, mm-hmm. right? And I I think oftentimes though, what we see is that like I am doing that, like I am pulling away, I am isolating from my partner because of what they're doing, not because there's something happening internally for me. And maybe yeah, they are doing that thing, and I am triggered by it. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, but at the end of the day, it's like I am isolating myself, you know. And I know like that that's something. That, that I work towards is like when I am feeling down about like, like maybe I'm, I'm not showing up the way Tara wants me to, or we're having all this strife. And I don't even realize sometimes that I'm beating myself up. I'm isolating myself because I'm like so focused on, well, it's, it's her fault. I feel this way. I mean, that's where I, I think everyone needs to hear this. Like, this is not this thing that we're just born innately with mindful self-compassion. Right. Like it takes skills and tools and using them over and over and education and being in a safe setting with a professional. If you have a really hard time doing that, like it takes mm-hmm. a minute to get there that it's, you know, just it, it's skills based really, because you have to recognize something is happening. You have to recognize how do I understand and identify what it is? I mean, like, I guess I'm going to kind of, you know, shift you, Audrey, around Mm -hmm. the tools that you teach because it's skills-based. It's learning that we have to do these things. This is a lot of couples don't have these skills when they come in and and we teach them that. Well, I mean, 
I'm assuming because we kind of dug into into the self compassion a little bit, right? Yeah. But I'm I'm assuming in in Tara's question about hey how how are we getting to that place of more self compassion that the mindfulness must be that part of the phrase mindful self compassion the mindfulness must be part of the, the the tool to get there is that is that accurate? Yeah, I I would definitely say so. I mean, I. It's amazing at one thing about the relationship renovation program is that there is already that mindfulness component built in. Couples go through the mindfulness series mm-hmm. together. And I, I would say that that's a great pathway to, you know, opening ourselves up to mindful self-compassion because that is one of the the core elements of it is being able to recognize without judgment, as hard as it is, you know, recognize without judgment just what you're experiencing. Like right now I'm I'm feeling really anxious mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really rejected in this moment. Mm-hmm. So being able to slow down and, and do that is definitely the first part of that. And in terms of getting there, I mean, it's I feel like that's one of the hardest yeah. parts. I know. <laughs> I mean, I typically encourage people to try to pay attention to their physical cues. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're having anxiety, what's the first thing you notice? Is your heart racing? Are you feeling flushed? You know. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply what's happening Mm -hmm. and then from there kind of going into the mental (laughs) component and I think one of the the best kind of small tools that Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer offer in their workbook the mindful self-compassion workbook is like adopting some kind of soothing touch for yourself Mm -hmm. if that feels right you know if you're comfortable and feel safe with Mm -hmm. that so maybe it's if your heart is racing, you know, maybe you might want to put your hand on your heart. That's that's where I go to because that's a big physical cue for mm-hmm. me. Um, or maybe you just give yourself a hug or maybe you're just mm-hmm. holding, you know, mm-hmm. one hand in the other. Yeah. Can I share just a cute story really quick? Sure. <laughs> so we go to the gym every morning and on the way home, you know, we have these cross guards for one of the middle schools by our home. And one of the crossing guards, he always, when he sees all the cars, he puts his arms around himself like he's giving us a hug in the car and is literally the best part of my morning because he hugs every car and some people hug back I always hug back but it is just such a beautiful Mm -hmm. moment do you know the guy I'm talking about EJ do you hug him back uh, I usually give him a thumbs up okay, or, a fi- right. or a fist bump. We kind of do it out on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then one thing I wanted to ask too, well, actually two things. One is when you have an individual or a couple where they like literally their whole life, they've gone without having needs or wants or mm. focusing on themselves at all. And like, you know, I I have so many couples where it's like, you know, one partner is like totally like has zero identity zero identification of any needs and he's just trying to make sure or she's trying to make sure that their partner is okay. Mm-hmm. How do you even start that process with like, hey, you also have needs in this relationship and for yourself? Yeah, that's very common. And I mean, definitely something that I see a lot. I mean, one thing that I try to be really intentional about when I'm in the room with with a couple where that might be happening or with an individual, you know, in a coupleship where that might be happening is trying to be really attuned to, you know, the needs underlying what they're saying. I mean, Mm -hmm. even if they are saying something very hurtful, for example, in the moment to their partner or, you know, something critical about themselves, like, really trying to mm. listen for what what might be the unmet mm-hmm. need there and saying, you know, I'm yeah. really hearing that you're feeling alone, you know, when it comes to the parenting of your kids or yeah. something <laughs> like that. So I try to be, I guess, that compassionate voice for people. And that attunement, Audrey, because, right, when a couple comes in and they're really fractured or whatever – the partner is not being able to attune, right? Because there's Mm -hmm. so much tension. So here's this, you know, brilliant therapist attuning to this person's unmet needs, helping them understand that they're there. And then we also, again, as therapists, we get to have these cues in the room because it might not, 
you know, I will start to see someone's face turn like reddish purple when we hit on something uncomfortable, but they don't know what's going on. And so we get to point out these like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. I noticed that your face is getting really flushed. So we get to like point out these like little micro movements that happen or, and then that attunement piece, I think starts to build this understanding, Mm -hmm. like I'm important too. Yeah. And I, th- I think like what we're doing and, and, you know, we're kind of encouraging people at home to do is that there's this like deeper level of self-reflection that is the mindfulness piece that gets you out of what we call content versus process, right? And like, mm-hmm. I can just think of a, of, a, of a couple this week I was working about where, where we're talking about a dynamic, you know, whether it was money or, or household chores or whatever. And they're in the like, well, you don't do this and I need this. And it feels like they're, they're voicing a need, but it's not tender, it's not vulnerable. And what we want people to do is sort of brush, like, okay, what's below the mm-hmm. distribution of work? It's like, I need to feel supported. Yes. Mm-hmm. I need to feel like somebody has my back. I got you. As Tara said, has really like put forth to me, like I need to know that you have me in those moments, right? Mm-hmm. But it's hard to get to that because that's a really vulnerable place. And it's much easier to just be like, you don't swifter the floors enough. You know, <laughs> it's easier to be like, mm-hmm. I make all the money and you don't make enough money. Mm-hmm. And it went underneath, it's like, oh, it's this deeper, more humanistic need that's underneath it. Yeah, and I, I think there was a second question I wanted to ask you, Audrey, because Tara Brock calls it the U-turn, like, right? That we have a choice to either project out or be critical or be judgmental, or we can U-turn it into kindness, self-compassion, mm, awareness, mm-hmm. mindfulness. Yeah. So what do you notice with individuals, couples that you're working with when they start to do the U-turn from self-critical, self-blame, self-judgment, blah, 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 all those things to mindful self-compassion? Like, what do you notice? Well, I feel like I, I notice, I don't know, I guess the only way I can really describe it is like the release of a, like an inhale, like you've been holding your breath for a long time and it's like, (laughs) you know, and it's, I see, you know, just a calmness, you know, and it might not be like all the time or right away or every single day because we're human and, Mm -hmm. you know, we have, we still have our moments of feeling frenzied or judgmental or whatever it is, but I do see a, a calm and almost this feeling of like, wow, I I like feeling this way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it feels good to be in this space yeah. of not having these judgments or, you know, these super high standards for myself that aren't so compassionate or these super high standards for my partner that aren't very compassionate and, you know, to just be accepting of <laughs> of what exactly. is <laughs> it sounds like a like a softening yeah you yeah. know like that, that some of that rigidity and those beliefs and those yeah. that reactivity that's happening within your relationship when you're practicing some self-compassion mm-hmm. when you're letting that distribute out to your partner as well yeah it just like softened things mm-hmm. up a little bit I, I'm, I'm assuming also that like in those moments that there's also like 
it feels more intimate, you know? It feels more connected. It feels right. more loving. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the words that are coming to me right now are trust versus mistrust. Mm -hmm. Because we have this mistrust when things aren't going okay or we don't trust that we can handle it or that our partner can handle it. But when you start to do mindful self-compassion, you trust that you can handle it, you know, regardless of what's going on in the external world or your partner. And that trust builds this belief that like, it's okay and I'm okay and I can handle this. And then hopefully within the relationship, we can handle this no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how ugly it can be or how uncomfortable it might show up, like I can handle this and we mm -hmm. can handle this. And then it's not in this fearful, mistrustful place anymore. And can I just say, this is possible because yeah. we have seen it happen Absolutely. with hundreds yeah. and hundreds of couples, including our own relationship, including with our own individual selves, even if we're not in a relationship. So it's pretty powerful to be able to trust that no matter what's going on for you internally, you got this. Yeah. So how do you support your partner? Right. Like if you're noticing like, wow, my partner is really tough on themselves, because what I've seen a lot of times is, is actually the opposite of support. I see a lot of people really frustrated with mm -hmm. their partners when they're when their partners yeah. are, are really like tough on themselves and then eventually tough on them. How do you go about making that shift? Yeah. One thing that does come up a lot. I mean, I've seen it come up in my own relationship is you know, one partner might be a little bit more self-critical than the other or, you know, might just hold themselves or, you know, the relationship to a different standard, like a, an unrealistic standard sometimes or just have those perfectionistic tendencies. And I do see the other partner a lot, yeah, getting frustrated with that or just trying to jump in and fix, you mm -hmm. know, what's going on for yeah. them. That's something I think we all see a lot and mm -hmm. it's it's really easy to want to try to do that. You know, I would just encourage you to try to find what that compassionate voice might look like mm -hmm. for your partner. You know, you might even ask them, like, what – what would you really like to hear from me mm -hmm. during those times? What would you know, feel supportive, right? What would feel compassionate or, you know, if that language doesn't resonate with you mm -hmm. as well, you know, just what what would feel good? What would feel comforting for you to hear, yeah. you know, when you come to me with these insecurities mm, or, you know, when you're really in a place of high stress or you know, a high self-criticism. Yeah. I mean, one thing I see that doesn't work is oftentimes the other partner challenges the belief very directly. Mm. You know, if can they're you give like, an example? well, I mean, I could give an example and just like a, a very nuts and bolts way of like, man, I feel so ugly today or I look horrible. No, you look so beautiful. You look great. I mean, come on, like you're crazy. Like people, you're such a wonderful person or like- I wish yeah. you could see you the way I see you. Yeah, or like when it comes to the house stuff, like this place is a mess. No, it's not. Everything's oh, like, right. everything's fine. Even if it is a little messy, it's no big deal. Yeah. You know, we hit it too directly, mm. you know? And because you're dealing with, 
a negative core belief that is at the core of this person, mm -hmm. if you tell them they're wrong, that's gonna piss them off. It's gonna it's gonna agitate them because they're just like, mm -hmm. what you don't even you don't understand. You know, it's just like get away. You well, you feel alone. That yes. person that's right. struggling feels yeah. alone in it, and like, oh god, I I must just be crazy because I'm being told that that's not cool and that's not okay and that that's not right. Yeah, and if you take that opposite approach of not validating, not being like, yeah, you do look horrible today, you know, <laughs> but but in, but instead like being like, hey. Tell me more, like, what's going on? Help me understand what you're going through, right? Yeah. And if the other person is willing to go on that, well, I just woke up today, and the, the first thing I did was I looked in the mirror, mm. and like, oh, gosh, it sounds like, you know, and just, just going down that rabbit hole with Curiosity. Them. And what it does is instead of that person having to, like, either retract it away and keep it themselves or just get stuck in the loop, you allow them to sort of exhaust the feeling, to express mm. it. And it might not yeah. get to the place yet where they're able to then personally challenge their negative core belief or go against it, but at least it doesn't get like thrown on the heap or the stockpile of like, oh, I just gotta swallow this. Nobody in the world really mm. is willing well, to hear. Right. And it stops reinforcing that you know, negative dynamic that happens. Like you shift it, you change it, you know? But it's so counterintuitive. I have like so many couples who are like, really? That matters? Or even I'll explain the concept to them, mm -hmm. tell them like, this works, I'm telling you, <laughs> this helps. And then we get like towards the end of the session and I'll, I'll be like, okay, like, you know, in the next week, if your partner, if this happens, what's the way you think you'll approach it? And even though we've talked about it the entire time, they'll, mm. they'll sit there frozen because it's just not intuitive at all to do it it's this way. It's a skill, way. I know. This is what we do here at our center, yeah. teaching the skills because we all beat ourselves up for many different reasons, from our life experiences, from messages we got, from mm -hmm. our culture, from our society, from so many different experiences. But if we mm -hmm. have the skills, you know, and I don't really want to say the motivation even, just the curiosity that it could be different, mm -hmm. things can change drastically. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here looking at the workbook, and so I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to plug it one more time, and I'll, I'll I'll put it in the show notes as well. But you you brought in a book; it's called Mindful Self Compassion Workbook. Mm -hmm. uh, the authors Neff and Germer, mm -hmm. and it sounds like. W why do you recommend that book? Like, w what's what's useful about it? I think that it it's pretty reader friendly. I would say you know there's a a mix of really nice like reflective exercises. So if you're the kind of person who benefits from writing things down or writing things out to process or learn, mm -hmm. there's those kinds of exercises in there for, you know, helping you cultivate that compassion in your lives. And it's pretty expansive. I mean, it, it goes through every aspect of self-compassion from self-compassion you know, towards yourself, loving kindness for ourselves and others to how this shows up in your relationship. There's mm -hmm. a section in here, you know, devoted to that. There's a section in here around self-compassion and caregiving. 
And there's also, you know, some meditations in here, some mindfulness practices, and some informal practices as well, where you can just kind of learn for yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, what does it sound like to speak in a compassionate way to myself, or how can I help my partner um, support me in this? So, yeah, it's, I, I would definitely recommend this for anyone who kind of like wants an interactive experience with learning that. There's also a great meditation practice called Meta that I've used over the years. Mm-hmm. And there's also, if you just type a, a Google search in of, of Meta Meditation, M-E-T-T-A, mm-hmm. and there's tons of guided uh, Meta Meditations out there on, on YouTube. And it's just a leading you through a practice of cultivating mm-hmm. empathy and compassion. And, and mm-hmm. in, in this practice, like what they talk about is like sometimes, you know, you have to lead yourself there. Like you, and it starts you out with, with like the most easily, accessible person that you could be compassionate towards, you know, whether that's like your kid or your dog or, or, you know, somebody who it's like, it's not hard to, to, to wish them the best things in the world. (laughs) And then you sort of gradate your way towards yourself, but -hmm. eventually also like really complex people in your life. That drive you crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or have hurt you, you know, and, and it's, it's a fantastic practice. There's tons of resources out there for that as well. Meta meditation. Mm. And Tara, maybe you could share a resource because I know that this is also something that you're very connected with. Absolutely. So my favorite resource in the whole wide world, which everybody knows, is Tara Brock's RAIN, R-A-I-N. R, you recognize what you're feeling. A, you allow it to show up however it's going to show up. I, you investigate why it's happening, even if you're just doing the somatic investigation. And N, nurture, you find something nurturing to say in that moment. And it's just a great practice that gives you a structure, because we all like structure. Structure provides safety to deal with uncomfortable moments. And, you know, even if you're just in the place where you're just like, I'm just doing R today, recognize, you know, our brain loves to identify things, right? Mm -hmm. So just recognizing like I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling alone. That's, that's compassionate. And then you could go through all the steps too, Mm -hmm. but you know, Tara Brock has amazing meditations on rain and she goes through it in depth and she has multiple podcasts about it. Um, So that's my skill. That's my tool. That's what I use (laughs) daily, hourly at times. And, you know, I just, we all deserve to have a more open heart to live this life that we know of right now to feel free. And so it's why this topic is so important, really. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is a big part of, of how we help couples develop deeper, more loving, more secure attachments in their relationship. Our online program, Relationship Renovation at Home, which is on our website, takes you through like a series of steps and, and mindfulness is is one of them and definitely cultivating empathy, compassion for your partner, understanding your triggers and how those are really linked to a lack of empathy, a a lack of self-compassion. And it's just a very like structured way for you to get through this work with your partner. So if that's something that, that you're like, yeah, we like really need some help in doing this. We need some structure for it. You know, check out our relationship renovation at home online course on our website. 
And I just want to say thank you to Miss Audrey Darnell because our center is filled with these beautiful humans that have also taken on the therapist role in their life and the level of attunement you have for your clients and your couples is what allows them to grow. And so we're just really grateful that you're here on our show today and that you're here at our practice. And, you know, just being in the same room with you, you can feel that heart love that you have and you're passionate <laughs> for for really listening and, and being with others, holding that space. So thank you to your parents, really, yeah. for yeah. starting that, really, that space piece. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's kind of full circle. Yeah, thank Aww. you. Thank you, Audrey. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for, for having me, and I'm, I'm really happy to be here. All right, so, uh, you know, we really appreciate everyone out there who is listening to our show. We love to get your feedback in the show notes. There's a quick link to leave a voice message to us or or write, uh, you know, any kind of topic you'd like us to explore or, or if you just are looking for some feedback on something, we interact with the community like almost, you know, within a day or so of you putting that up. Mm -hmm. Please like click your review button. Give us a review. Tell us what you think of the show. We really believe at our heart that relationships are the base element of, of healthy communities, healthy kids, healthy businesses, healthy everything. Healthy world. Healthy world. Give so, us ideas too. We have a, we're getting all these amazing ideas from people around the world really about what we can talk about. And so this is awesome. We love it. Yeah. So thank you all very much for listening. And Tara? Yes. As I always end, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.